Hi there, I'm Claudia, a content creator, photographer, and changemaker hailing from Hong Kong. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of my podcast, Up to Some Good. During this podcast, I will be interviewing inspiring entrepreneurs and changemakers who do good for the community and our environment. We chat about everything from their eureka moments, their life lessons, to how they integrate social good and sustainability into their businesses and everyday lives. I hope this podcast will inspire you to make small changes in your daily life too, because change starts small. Like the Dalai Lama once said, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try going to bed with a mosquito. My guest today is Bobsy Gaia. Bobsy has been doing good for the environment for over 30 years. Since moving to Bangkok from his native Beirut, Bobsy manifested his passion to protect the environment through fashion design, and now through food. He has been at the forefront of the plant-based movement in Hong Kong since opening Bookworm Cafe in 1997. He also founded the popular plant-based and eco-friendly restaurant chain Mana, which is undoubtedly one of my favorite cafes in Hong Kong. He's here today to share more about his journey as an ecopreneur with us. Welcome, Bobsy. Hey, welcome. Thank, and thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and also describe briefly what Mana is to people who haven't heard about Mana and your brand? I suppose my background really starts 30 years ago in 1989 when I first became aware of what an ecopreneur could be and can do. And uh, I started with fashion because I was in the fashion world and fashion is one of my first loves, the other one being music, but I wasn't as such in the music world, but I was in the fashion world. So once I became aware of what on earth humanity is doing to its planet, I turned my company from a fashion company into an eco-fashion company and started producing as best as I could back then. Mm -hmm. uh, raw cotton t-shirts and raw clothing without any chemicals, without any dyes, all packaged in, in, in recycled paper packaging. And, you know, we must remember that this is the very late 80s, early 90s. But the, the message, the integrity of what I was doing back then remains the same today, and that is to raise awareness about the fact that we only have one planet. So doing it through fashion back then was beautiful and got to do a lot of traveling and, and meet some wonderful department stores and buyers. And, you know, it was a wonderful journey in the world of fashion. But it was when I discovered the power of food through the Bookworm Cafe that I realized that I could be a lot more impactful in inspiring change and raising awareness right. through people's stomachs by feeding them yummy, delicious food in a setting that was relaxed and hipster and cool and funky and beautiful. So you'd come into the Bookworm Cafe and you'd smell the incense burning. You'd hear maybe Alpha Blondie playing on the music. You'd sit down at a table that had uh, a lot of cuttings from magazines with inspiring did you knows and messages. And mm -hmm. you'd, you'd open the menu and the menu would be full of beautiful foods, a whole, plate, a whole page of veggie burgers and another whole page of, of vegan salads. And, you know, everything around you was inspiring and people were coming in and, and wondering what it is they were feeling and experiencing. And we, we do the same with mana now. So for anyone who's not aware of mana, uh, mana is a small chain of eco-friendly, zero waste, zero plastic, plant-based, fast, slow food restaurants. And for anyone who hasn't been to mana yet, I 
100% encourage you to go because the flats there honestly the best and so fresh and so delicious so flats uh, a coin uh, a name that we've coined it's short for flatbreads so every flatbread in mana is topped with zaatar and they're made from scratch every day we make our bread fresh every day and the toppings you choose from everything from avocado to zucchini a to z and then they're wrapped in compostable biodegradable wrapping paper with the mana branding which is full of inspiring messages by the way so next time you're having a flat in mana or eating a salad i urge you to look at the box and the wrapping paper and get inspired by what's written there and perhaps to sum it up mana is really in the business of changing the world mana is really in the business of inspiring change but we happen to make great food at the same time i just want to know like whether there are any challenges or roadblocks you came across during this journey because especially when you first started the bookworm cafe in 1997 i think the whole idea of plant-based eating was not as um as big in hong kong did you have trouble convincing the public um or any investors of this concept of 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 vegetarianism and plant-based eating or did you find that there are already a lot of loyal loyal followers since the start yeah just to clarify bookworm wasn't hong kong's first vegetarian cafe mm-hmm. it was hong kong's first dedicated eco-friendly zero plastic zero waste lifestyle vegetarian cafe okay that already been chinese mostly buddhist and indian vegetarian mm-hmm. restaurants in hong kong but this was a lifestyle Okay. This was we are vegetarian slash vegans because we care about the planet because we want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So that that was the first for Hong Kong. The audience was already there. Um, so to answer your question bluntly, no, it was a pleasure and still is a pleasure. Of course, the audience has grown since, and it's become more obvious now that we need to change our diets and not change the climate. Um, investors, um, it was a bunch of friends. Everyone put in ten thousand Hong Kong dollars back then. So you can imagine we only got a hundred thousand Hong Kong dollars. Well, today you can't do much with that. Yeah. But back then, uh, we, you know, anybody who needed to borrow money borrowed money, and we all put the money in, and we found a location, and and off we went. But no, there's never been a struggle to convince people to eat good food, mm. because good food is good food is good food. I mean, who doesn't love good food? And vegetarian and vegan are misleading, because Italian food. Is vegetarian. Yeah. Chinese food is vegetarian. Any cuisine is mm-hmm. vegetarian. You just don't put meat, fish, and dairy mm-hmm. in there. So you can have cuisine from any culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just vegetarian is not a type of cuisine. It's just avoiding right. animals. Yeah. So it was never, never really a struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Financially, business-wise, yes, it was quite difficult. Not because there wasn't an audience, but because you need to learn how to be. A business person. Mm-hmm, there's no book. Mm-hmm. There's no. You know, right. It's not something you study. It's something yeah. you experience. And that's something that you would say is most difficult for you is is learning, sort of the Correct. financial aspect Correct. of things. Correct. I know how to create something that's super popular and hipster and awesome, but I'm not very good at the back end where you have to be more attentive with how you spend your money and. You know uh, how yeah, you manage the too. business. You know that that's not my forte. Never mm-hmm, has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, my forte is really inspiring change, creating beautiful food, beautiful ambiance, beautiful setting, mm-hmm. p- 
pulling the customers in. That's never been a problem. The problem has been managing the business. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I believe that as long as the core values are there and, and the passion is there, like the technical, logistical aspects of it, you can always overcome or find yeah, a way Yeah, you outsource for, it or you find yeah, someone yeah. who's good at it. And yeah, correct. Another question I want to ask is that some, a lot of businessmen still think that the idea of social impact and profit are mutually exclusive. A lot of people wouldn't really invest in social enterprises or businesses that really like th where the core values are to create social impact. What would you say to them? I'd say to them that's quite an outdated modality, way of thinking. So the, the question is, why are you making money in the first place? What is your bottom line, so to speak? What are you motivated by? Is it purely to make money? In that case, then you wouldn't be thinking of social activism. You'd be thinking of investing on the stock market or buying property or where you can really make money quickly. So you have to go back to the basics. Um, why is it you want to make a social difference? Can you see any wrong with the world? Can you see anything that needs improving? If so, then you put your money where your mouth is or where your heart is. You don't invest in, in social entrepreneurship to make money first and foremost. You invest in social entrepreneurship to change the world, to make the world a better place. And then if you're clever enough, you can make a lot of money at the same time. But what do you do with that money? Do you go and buy another property? Mm -hmm. No. You invest it back into your business and you spread the good and you make a difference. So the starting point is, where is your consciousness? Do you want to make money just to make more money so you can buy your 10th apartment and buy your fifth car? And No, get out of here. We, we, the world doesn't need people like you anymore. But you can be a social conscious entrepreneur and make money at the same time. Okay, I love that. And I think, I mean, I'm really happy to see that there are more and more social entrepreneurs out there, especially I mean, in Hong Kong as well as around yeah, the world. The younger generation is much more aware of what's happening to our planet and mm -hmm. the collapse of our natural resources and the disappearing of our, of our rainforests mm -hmm. and the depletion of our oceans and the contamination of our soil. And so we need to rectify that. We need to remedy that. And yeah. how do we remedy that? By social entrepreneurship or reinventing business or realigning our, our passions with our missions and, and our hearts and that's where change is happening and it could be at any level it doesn't have to be just business you see it in music you see it in art you see it in books you see it in magazines you see it in podcasts like this one you you see it everywhere because the younger generation really knows what time it is mm -hmm. and i know that you call yourself an ecopreneur mm. can you tell me a little bit more about that term and how that sort of distinguishes you from an entrepreneur? Sure. An ecopreneur is someone who is fully aligned to making a difference, fully aligned to saving the planet, to put it bluntly. Hence eco, which is short for ecology, yeah. and preneur, which is short for entrepreneur. So there is a big difference between an ecopreneur and entrepreneur. An entrepreneur perhaps is motivated to make money. That's the bottom line. An ecopreneur's bottom line is inspiring change and making a difference. And eco generally is for ecology, so environmental entrepreneurship or ecological entrepreneurship. Yeah. And, you know, Man is a prime, very good example of a Hong Kong born and bred business that is an ecopreneur business. If I gave you a billion dollar check now, 
Um, what is the first thing you would do to sort of further your mission to raise awareness for the environment? I would stabilize mana as a, as a business and I would open um, a few dozen manas, not just in Hong Kong, but across the region. Because in my opinion, mana is one of the most powerful tools for change. Because if you come to mana, you can't but help be inspired by how a business can be zero food waste, zero plastic, um, how everywhere you look, everything you taste, feel, see in mana is about inspiring change in a very subtle but obvious way if you look. So I would open two dozen manas across the region right now, China, Singapore, Bangkok, mm -hmm, Tokyo, mm -hmm. throughout Asia. Yeah. And because this is, this is where uh, mana is needed. Of course, mana is needed on the streets of London and New York, and, and mana is needed all over the world. But I don't think a billion dollars would get us to the that far. But if if we could, then I'd open mana all over the world. I don't have a billion dollars, but you know, why not? I'll, I'll take I mean, you up on that. I mean, it's always good to have a vision. Sure. And after the show, make sure you give me that billion dollars. <laughs> okay. Obviously, mana is from from like the first step to to like the food you put in your, into your mouth is all focused on being eco-friendly and everything that you use. And even the waste disposal process is is eco-friendly, and, and you have your own comp. So, um, do you actually check that make that every single step is consistent and sustainable, or sometimes do you just um, have to turn a blind eye to things because there are things that you can't control? Yeah, the honest answer is no. You can never be 100% eco-friendly. Um, you can't really control your vegetable suppliers, for example. Mm -hmm. they, every now and then they land a big styrofoam box full of veggies. And we're like, we told you no more styrofoam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We gave you our own containers. Well, oh, but no more containers. So, but that, that's not the key. The key is to inspire change, to try your best. So is mana 100% zero waste? No way. Mm -hmm. But our food is and how we produce and supply things to the customer. So all our packaging, everything you receive as a customer is zero plastic, is zero waste. But back of the house, we don't grow our own vegetables, for example. So you can't control the whole chain unless you take that billion dollars and you invest it into that and only that. Mm -hmm. Then perhaps you could control it a lot more. But I, I think at, at this stage in human development and where humanity is at, one needs to do their best. It, yes. It's more important that your core message, what you do every day, day in, day out, day in, day out, that's what really matters, not what happens occasionally. Mm. So I know that everything, this is the packaging and everything at Amana is sustainable, but is that how you first started or did you take this step by step? Well, in Bookworm Cafe, we were zero plastic as well. We've never used plastic. Um, the packaging back then was a lot more crude, a lot more basic. It was made from grass, and it, you, you couldn't deliver food with it. You, it wouldn't survive the food delivery systems okay. we have today. But no, from day one, uh, the reason we opened Bookworm Cafe was to be eco-friendly, was mm -hmm. to inspire change, was to show that you can provide the best food in Hong Kong at low reasonable prices in abundant portions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. eco-friendly because so I it think was never a step by step that was the beginning that was the starting yeah. point but we have got a lot better at it and of course the packaging's a lot more developed now and mm -hmm. it's all made from plants and potato starch and what have you 
I think some um, eco entrepreneurs in Hong Kong, they think that in order to call yourself an eco-friendly business, every single aspect needs to be aligned with that, from the food sourcing to the packaging and the processes. And that's why I think it's almost so overwhelming that they don't start. And so what is some advice that you would give to those people? Understand why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Why are you, why do you want to be an eco-entrepreneur, eco-preneur, an entrepreneur? You want to make a difference? Then you just begin, you start. And don't be afraid um, of fear itself. Begin. Don't compromise. Always act with integrity. And that's not the quickest way to make money. It's probably the slowest way to make money, but it's a sustainable way. You get people's trust, people's confidence. People really understand that you are doing this for the right reasons. It doesn't matter if your product's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Integrity was what really matters. And uh, this is something um, I'm proud of, to say that I have 30 years of integrity behind me. And I've never compromised. My message has never been diluted, uh, no matter what the medium is, whether it's planting trees, cleaning up beaches, publishing positive news, um, my Gaia, my fashion company, um, the, the food, the restaurants. We have always acted with integrity. It might not be perfect. We haven't always got it right. Mm -hmm. But people can see, people understand, people have hearts, they can feel it. And when, when you come to Mana, you can feel it. It's not just the food you put in your mouth, which has to be yummy, otherwise you're not going to come back again. But you can feel it. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can sense it. So my advice is go for it. Um, follow your heart. Follow your passion. No matter what, follow your passion. Follow your passion. Absolutely. Follow your passion. Your passion will lead to a mission. Yeah. Live your mission every day live it live it live it and slowly a vision will formulate align your passion to your mission to your vision and you will mm -hmm. succeed mm -hmm. it might not take a year or two it might take five ten yeah. years it doesn't matter it's a okay. journey and it's a journey that matters i know that mana apart from inspiring people through food you also do a lot of community activities like you have meditation workshops you have screenings you go to schools to talk to people to students about about the plant-based movement and also just how important it is um to, to sort of really go plant-based because the environment really needs it right mm -hmm. now can you tell me a bit more about that and what you've been doing recently um, to inspire yeah. change? That's part and parcel of the whole package. I don't distinguish between giving a talk in schools and doing a podcast like I am now or, or sitting down and talking to students or, or creating beautiful flatbreads in mana. It's the same thing. Inspire change. Every minute counts. Every minute counts. We don't have much time. The environmental crisis is like a ticking bomb that's ticking. So everything counts. Every minute counts. And it's not like when I go to Mana, I'm uh, an ecopreneur restaurateur. And then when I go home, I'm something mm -hmm. else. 
It's the same it's just, Bobsy. You're it's living your mission. It's the same mission. You have to live your mission mm-hmm, mm-hmm. day in, day out. So any chance, talking to a stranger on the streets mm-hmm. is a chance to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. Seeing somebody in a, restu- in a cafe drinking coffee out of a plastic cup with a plastic lid, even though they're not going away, they're sitting down, is a chance to say, hey, do you really need that plastic lid on your coffee cup? Mm-hmm. They might not be happy, but next time they'll think twice before they put a plastic Mm. coffee cup lid on their plastic coffee cup absolutely so everything it's there's no separation between what i do and who i am it's one and the same and this is the key secret to being a successful artist is you can't separate your art from who you are yes it's not like you you go into the studio and you're an artist and then when you go home you're not you're always an artist with a capital A. You're an artist at large. And I know you yourself are. You are actually an artist too because you, you love your bringing your sketchbooks around and you write out a lot of um, uh, quotes or mantras that mm. you come up with. Um, mm. And you also you color them in and everything. And mm. can you tell me some of a few of? Can you tell me about a few of the mantras that you? Yeah, I've, you I've really been like. keeping sketchbooks or slash uh, notebooks, diaries since 1992. So the whole 30 years is there if anybody cares to look. And I love quotes. So I've been collecting quotes for 30 years because quotes are inspiring, truly. And um, you might not always get the quote the first time you read it, but maybe the second or third time. So many eureka moments come from famous quotes. Mm-hmm. And I like to color them in into my sketchbooks. I like to take a whole page and write a quote on it, whether it's my quote or someone else's quote or any insight, and draw flowers and, and pretty spirals. And, you know, it's doodling and sketching. Many people are familiar with that. But I, fi- I, I find that when I do have an insight and I write it down and then coloring it in, kind of entrenches that, makes it deeper, cements it really into my consciousness. Right, right. And it it might take half an hour to do one page, Mm -hmm. uh, which you could write in two minutes, but it might take me half an hour to do. And I'm thinking about what I'm writing and drawing and I'm accessing my right brain, which is the artistic brain, not just the left brain, which is writing, but the the right brain, which is drawing and coloring and sketching. So... You, I, I try to access both hemispheres of my of my of my brain. Your favorite mantras, which is also on on mana on the wall, is diet change, not climate change. Um, so, what do you think needs to change in Hong Kong in order for citizens to implement a more sustainable lifestyle? Like, what what do you think the government should do? What systems do you think need to be put in place? It's exactly that: diet change, not climate change. Um, it's the most powerful thing we can do as humans today. And it's one of the easiest things to do because changing your diet towards a plant-based diet is relatively easy now. Um, But it's the most impactful thing any human being can do today Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. change your diet away from a heavy water consumption, heavy eco-footprint diet, which is beef, lamb, chicken, um, fish, Uh, dairy, that means cheese, milk. The conventional way of producing food is destructive to our ecosystems, all our habitats, um, rainforests, oceans, groundwater, rivers, streams, oceans. You look into the impact the global diet is having on us 
And then we're not just talking about environments and animals. We're talking about humans as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. It's, it's displacing old cultures by burning down their forests. Indigenous tribes are being displaced to burn down forests to grow crops to feed cattle. And today there are over 100 billion farmed animals. The human population, crazy amount. 8 billion. Eight. The farmed animal population, agricultural, mm-hmm. industrial agriculture, is 100 billion. So the question arises, how can we feed 100 billion chickens and, and cows and pigs and we can't feed 8 billion people? So there's something fundamentally wrong, but fundamentally dangerous and destructive with how humanity feeds itself. So diet change and not climate change. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Um, but I think one sort of one argument that some people have against being going plant-based is that food is such a huge part of culture. And even in Hong Kong or Cantonese food, you find a lot of meat often in it, like barbecue pork um, and, and other forms of meat. And they sort of, they use this as a justification to say that we, we can't cut it out entirely because that's part of the culture. And I'm sure um, growing up from, uh, in Beirut, probably there's a lot of meat too. And how, how do you sort of balance it? How do you think you should keep the culture alive while also... Yeah, that's a big question mm-hmm. and we might not have time to go into that. But as the world moves towards a plant-based diet, we are developing alternatives to pork and chicken and beef. And the alternatives are pretty tasty, so they can be replaced. But keeping slaves, once upon a time, human slaves, was very productive. We couldn't have run the economy without having slaves. And people will say, well, how can I grow food on my plantation if I don't have slaves? What are you talking about? And it's the same thing now with, with eating animals. We, eight billion people can't eat animals. Mm-hmm. We just don't have enough planet to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So we, we are forced to change. So if you really want to eat pork as part of your culture, then make it a very special occasion. If you were aware of what pork was doing to, to you, to not only your health, but to your environment, to your planet, to your children, then you wouldn't eat pork the mm-hmm. same way you wouldn't keep a slave today. Um, it's, it's about shifting consciousness, it's about yes. education, really. Let's be blunt. Get educated and find out what pork or beef or fish or dairy is doing to your health, the health of your planet and the health of your children. And then once you're educated, then it's, it, you'll, you'll change naturally. I, I don't have to be saying anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. This is how we change. Yep. We get inspired. It's about that eureka moment when you Our mind expands, exactly. Our right. mind expands with knowledge. And yes. We start living that knowledge, and before you know it, we become wise. I love that. So just to finish off, I have um, two questions which I always ask my guests. The first one is, what is your guilty pleasure? It can be anything from mm. food to an activity. There's things I can't say on air, perhaps. <laughs> um but you know a guilty pleasure would me indulging in a nice fluffy crispy croissant from time to time yes croissants are made with butter they have butter in them and uh, guilty pleasure would be me indulging in 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 some food that perhaps is um delicious and yummy and very special but it's not part of my diet yeah it might not necessarily be vegan but but i i do think that it's important sometimes to just to treat yourself and as long as you're aware overall of sort of your diet and that you're not doing it 
often. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. Something you do occasionally. Mm -hmm. You need to celebrate something or mark an important occasion. Mm -hmm. Or just you really feel like eating something delicious and yummy, but it has a bit of butter in it. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's a guilty pleasure because we're talking about guilt. So there is a small element of guilt yes. in it. Um, but it's what you do every day that really mm -hmm. matters, mm -hmm. you know, not what you do occasionally. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, and what is one individual or business who you think has been up to some good recently? Oh, there's a lot. Um, but I would have to admire, and I do admire and respect, and I am inspired heavily by positive news. Positive news. Positive news. It's published in the UK, um, and it's a magazine format today. And it talks about all the positive things happening in the world. I and love that. And it's called Positive News. You and always need more positivity. so inspiring. And there is a lot of positive news out there. A lot. We just have to pay attention to it. We have to look for it. We have to become aware of it. And then you start seeing it everywhere. So it, it, it's, it's your levels of awareness. And that's why awareness is the most sustainable resource in the hands of humanity today. Because where your awareness goes, the energy flows. And if you're aware of something, you can't but help see it. Mm -hmm. So I'm truly inspired by, by positive news. By the way, we published Positive News Hong Kong between mm -hmm. 2004 and 2011. We published the Hong Kong version, which was mm -hmm. bilingual Chinese and English. Right. And so that Hong Kong version is the same it's a sister, a sister, okay. a sister organization. So yeah, we had the license and the permission mm -hmm. from Positive News mm -hmm. UK. The founder of Positive News UK passed away a few years ago, a, a great woman, Shauna. Now it's been taken over by a new generation and they publish it in a different format, which is a magazine format. And mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty funky and pretty cool. And so if, if you think of that as an entrepreneurship, um, that's perhaps Yes, for sure. My most inspiring, yeah. For sure, I think that's definitely like a business that's doing something. That's Absolutely. up to some good. But and I do need to make a point that as an ecopreneur, I don't look at other businesses. Otherwise, mana okay. can't be original. So mm -hmm, mana mm -hmm. is truly a hundred percent original. I don't look. I I don't look to be inspired by what mm. other businesses are doing. Right. I'd right. rather not. Yes. So you need you everything need that comes too. from within, from within the heart of, of our consciousness. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm really glad that we're ending on such a positive mm. note. And thank you so much for for being my first guest. Pleasure. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Totally. Um. So I'm looking forward to the new mana in Soho. Mm. Um. And also just to to see what you'll be doing in the next few months yes um, I know there will be some screenings and, uh, and a coffee and chocolate uh, oh, yes. uh, workshop event at yes. MANA we call them happenings there'll, there'll be a lot of happenings okay coming. okay and with MANA Soho we'll have a dedicated floor where we can host more and more happenings okay so I'll be looking forward to that